0: Oh, All yeah. in Your Ed Podcast. It has been again. It's one of those weird. Just uh, it's been a busy few weeks, and uh, I know that uh, we've been going weekly, 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 and then it just kind of stopped. But I mean, we we have been hard at work. Dave's. Essentially, we
1: had one week off. I mean, that that was it, man.
0: Well, we had the two weeks because we were planning on to have uh, Tim over again, and then you know we got busy. Uh, he had some stuff come up with the scheduling, and so it feels like a long time, but it's awesome. We, uh, so we got me and Dave back in the studio, so we're back to good old tag your it uh, tag team Dave and Ray Ray. Um, right. But anyway, so we're back. Uh, this the pretty much we've been through the first quarter, um, where we again celebrating uh, two two years, years of the podcast of God's providence in favor of. Uh, just our learning ministry and everything. So again, this is all uh, thanks uh, to him. And uh, we just are happy to be able to include all of you who uh, watch or download the podcast, um, get into the discussion of these things so that we can defend the faith, that we know it's out there, we can discuss it, and uh, be prepared to answer those who ask us about the hope that lies within us, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ um, as our Lord and Savior. So, awesome. So, we, uh, so since it's been a couple of weeks, there's some housekeeping <laughs> Yeah, to definitely take care of. Sorry, I was just so, like yeah. taking
1: time, as I always do on oh, Facebook, yeah. inviting people to watch the live feed. Uh, that is always exciting for me to do. Mm-hmm. I always think about when we were just down in the basement and we were recording it and it was just you and me and no one was live watching it. And uh, that was pretty cool, but I'm really glad we get to expand our audience by Mm -hmm. having a YouTube account and also by live streaming on Facebook, which we've done for over a year now. Uh, If you remember right, we started that in January of 18. So, uh, yeah, so it's been over a year. (laughs) <laughs>
0: Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the time really goes cool. by quick so, when you're um,
1: having fun. At first, I just we just hit live stream. Now I just like try to invite a bunch of different people to come on. So, uh, yeah. go ahead. Give so us so yeah, wrap was up, just say
0: hey, hey, you know, shout out. We've already got some people uh, logged in. So thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, this evening, uh, we've got some really cool uh, things that Dave has brought up because uh, we did have somebody scheduled for tonight, but it didn't uh, work out. So we are pushing that to uh, two weeks from now, where 22nd. He, yeah, so of we'll April. have that show. Um, but before we get to that, you know, just uh, thinking about the, the first quarter this year has been. Um, I mean, in my books, the discussions we've had, the guests we've had on, has been amazing. Yeah, um, God's been awesome, and uh, just you know, being able to sit down with Sam Waldron. Yeah, um, yeah that
1: was About sixteen eighty
0: nine so cool. and the uh, Syttemberg and Kate um, about presuppositional apologetics. We've introduced uh, presup, what's up, kind of as a as a kind of a mainstay. And, and, uh, and I will say, hit. if someone hasn't listened to the
1: shows we did with Tim, the three shows we yes. did with Christian Witches, um, that was. Man, we were the first people that I knew of as apologists who were directly going after the Christian witches. And uh, I think that we covered that really well. I think we provided some really good content. Uh, We also had the BibViz um, Mm -hmm. uh, episode where we talked about different different supposed contradictions in Scripture, and we worked them out. Uh, These are things, these are resources that you are probably going to run into folks who will... uh, say something about the Christian witches. We've created, a, again, a catalog of different topics, and we've got an exciting rest of the year, an exciting three quarters left.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be uh, great. So what's coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about iGen, um, that uh, internet, phone... Everything, generation. Those who are born from 1995 to 2012 essentially... That's the um, world's philosophy of this idea, and so we're going to take a peek into that. Um, We'll be hitting it presuppositionally from uh, the worldview that God has spoken, Uh, God has uh, revealed reality to us, and uh, what... Christians, how we should view these things, how sh- how we should deal these things. So we will be dealing with that. Um, and then we've got uh, a few other guests that are definitely nailed down. Who do we got? Uh, Travis Hrenick
1: going to come and he's going to talk about different false approaches to scripture. Um, we are still working to get Ed Romine on to talk about um Spurgeon's apologetic preaching mm-hmm. and we are reaching out and hopefully we'll have
0: um, Rob
1: Phillips on before yeah, too long because to it's been
0: a while since we've been it's on there and he's death. so um, far this will be the third year of the podcast you know talking to um, the head guy of the, the Missouri it, Baptist Apologetics Network and, and
1: I will state we are now in the organizing phases of a debate two-on-two uh, mm-hmm. two debate Adam and I uh, with some individuals on the Missouri State campus is the plan. Uh, we are working to try and get that set up. I mean, we're in the early stages, but it looks like a hopefully September, October debate, mm-hmm. uh, two-on-two debate will be the first time that we'll have done one in over a year. Like almost,
0: yeah, yeah it'll be like. So 20, we haven't been man. getting lazy, just uh, passing the debates off onto other guys. Yes, uh, we are <laughs> excited. <laughs> we, want, we want to do it again, and so we've been propositioned. Um, it'll be, um, I guess, to kind of just say it'll be kind of hovering the animal rights issue that sort. Sort of issue. So as uh, we get more information about propositions and people and places, we'll uh, get that guy that to you as soon as possible, so that and we're we can reaching plan out. On. We're reaching
1: out to try to get some other dialogues and debates mm-hmm. going. Yes. And, and that would be something we're really uh, going to try to focus on towards the end of the year. That yeah. uh, would be kind of our goal. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff going on. I'm excited to continue it. All right. So tell us and about
0: our lineup today. Well, we've got one more oh, yeah. major Goodness issue. Sake. And so man. if you guys remember, we did an episode uh, last year, I think, uh, with a man, uh, Kevin Myers. Um, and he's with... Um, see I, abortion In divorce Now. De- is he in divorce Now? Uh, no, he's in, he's in Missouri. Yes. Uh, in Kansas City. End- There's the... Um, I just think Abolish it's in, abortion. Abolish Abortion. Yeah, yeah. just Abolish Abortion. So, um, and you've probably seen him comment tons of times, and he always uh, prefaces everything with abortion must be abolished. And we would like to support him, and we would like you guys to um, take this opportunity to support um, the abolitionist movement. We are not pro-lifers. The law of God states that we should not kill unjustly, right? And right. he has the power to take life and death. We... Do not, and so when it comes to being a good neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourselves, we love the neighbors that are in the womb, and we love them, and we speak for them. And so there's a uh, event that's going on. Um, there's a flyer here says the time is now. Show me abolition. So on Tuesday, April twenty third, it says come and love your neighbor, na- your preborn neighbor, and demand equal protection. So this is a rally at the Missouri Capitol to abolish abortion. So if you guys have uh, free time, if you want to take off time to support abolition in the state of Missouri, April 23rd in Jefferson City, um, you'll be able to um, go and rally with these people, preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel for these pre-born um, human beings, these men and women that are made in the image of God, um, and, and and be a part of the movement. Well, and it would be
1: really important, and it's... I want to make sure this is really clear. I think Jeff Durbin does an excellent job on Apology Radio of making it very clear that abolition of abortion is different than some of these organizations that just want to change. And of course, we did have the podcast last year with Jeff explaining that like, right-to-life Those organizations are not trying to stop abortion. They're just trying to further regulate it. And so this is a group of people who want to end it, who say this is evil. It needs to stop. Evil things don't need to be regulated down. They need to be stopped. They need to be completely um, removed from society. And so that's why it's important. Uh, I'm going to see if I can go. And if I can, I will do a live cast from the rally. And uh, hopefully I'll get a little bit of time with... uh with kevin that'll be my goal yeah
0: so yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah just get a part of this we will uh keep on posting on facebook and on twitter uh more information as that uh comes out too for you guys and so that's the housekeeping uh after these uh two weeks of just piles and piles of of information oh but, and oh, hey yeah, what, okay, adam more, did man. speak at svu oh,
1: yes. not too long yes, ago I to do that. um that was really cool um been busy. The Tim past will weeks. be speaking at SBU at the end of this month. Yeah, yes. the 28th, I believe, yes. of April. So, so uh, uh, encourage and support your Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, guys. And I think Rob's yeah. speaking on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Rob
0: and Tim Carter will be there too at the end of the month. So, I mean, we've got good. Rob time. will be there on and, Wednesday, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah man, it's going to be uh, It's a great opportunity that the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network has had this year, um, making a presence on the campus up there. And then, you know, I've also got to speak if you guys haven't uh, looked at uh, the Facebook and YouTube accounts and stuff like that. My sermons from yesterday at Glenstone Baptist are up uh, for listening. Again, it's, I got to do that. I'm not your pastor, but um, there's some really good uh, stuff that I had studied and been able to um, put that in a sermon form to help. Um, when you're reading the book of Hebrews, this all goes into your apologetic anyway. So, you know, your theology will lead to your apologetic. And so there's uh, some more resources to, um, from at least this ministry that are out there to look up. So so the topic we're yeah. talking about today, I um, think
1: that we are cutting edge. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> there's nothing I, new under the.
1: I don't know name. anyone. I don't know any that, other apologetics podcasts yeah. that are going to be dealing with what we've been dealing with. And I believe that it is something that is on the precipice of the uh, moral... Um, the moral decline in America, and it's something that's going to impact Christians, and not enough Christians are talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we're talking about it today. So uh, go ahead, introduce those topics for us. So well, anyway, yeah. So you <laughs> I'm saw, just excited yeah, to get going
0: with them. Yeah, t- yeah. You've been uh, doing a lot of good studying, um, to where I have kind of slacked off. But then again, I've been busy too. I guess. But it's all good. Adam has not There's been grace. slacking off. He is anyway, actually immersing himself yeah. in this stuff. So, so. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll uh, get to the topic tonight as you see in our title or whatever, we want to talk about moral driverless cars and transhumanism. So buzzes everywhere. Trans, trans, trans. The only and now we Not have trans, any we're anymore? talking about are like trans am cars anymore. We're talking about <laughs> You know, we've got transgenderism, and now we've got transhumanism. So our first topic is going mm-hmm. to be
1: interrelated with transhumanism, yeah. but it's artificial intelligence. And again, yeah. this is a pretty big deal right now. We see it all over the place. Uh, essentially, we don't even think about the fact that artificial intelligence is already making decisions for us. If you type out an email on uh, Gmail, it's going to send, or it's going to end your sentence for you or guess what you're going to say next. That is the result of an algorithm that has said this is likely what people will write after this but how about this when you buy a product on amazon it's going to say suggestions are more chop of more things that you would like that is also artificial intelligence there is data being collected on you through every mechanism and so yeah. this is a really important topic because you are immersed in it if you have an email account yeah. if you have done anything if you've used a credit card You're immersed in this data collection, and that Mm -hmm. begins to fill out this algorithm. So our story comes from?
0: Well, it it comes from, where does it come from? It's dated a little bit, but it's really interesting. It's from uh, June 23rd, 2016, written by Larry Greenmeyer. Um, It's uh, Driverless Cars Will Face Moral Dilemmas. And so um, when presented with this article, I'm sitting here just going, Machines, Morality. It's weird. It should feel weird because, I mean, we live in a, in a society where moral is usually equated with humanity, with a personality, um, with more than just uh, mechanics. You know, we, we don't look at a calculator and think... It's doing something immoral. I so, don't look at know, my so, phone yeah. and
1: say, "Ah, oh, this is a moral device." Yeah, uh, I don't drive my car generally to get more. Yeah,
0: more we always look at the humanity behind device. it. And when so the someone, moral person is using the object. Yes. So I use my phone in a moral or in an immoral fashion. But we're talking about machines now uh, being able to make moral decisions. So it says autonomous. Vehicles may put people in life or death situations. And so this is the problem that's coming out of. So will the outcomes be decided by ethics or data? A self-driving car carrying a family of four on a rural two-lane highway spots a bouncing ball ahead. And as the vehicle approaches, a child runs out to retrieve the ball. Should the car risk its passengers' lives by swerving to the side where the edge of the road meets a steep cliff, or should the car continue on its path, ensuring its passenger's safety at the child's expense? This scenario and many others pose a moral and ethical dilemmas that car makers, car buyers, and regulators must address before vehicles should be given full autonomy, according to a study published Thursday in Science. We're right, am going to stop right
1: there. Yeah. So essentially what we have is a scenario where people are cruising along in their artificially intelligent Mm. car, the self-driving car, that has been programmed through a vast array of um, different mathematical formulas Uh, And it is making decisions instantaneously based upon the information that it receives that's driving down the road. Now, these algorithms have been programmed Mm -hmm. by someone to respond in certain ways when certain issues occur. And so Mm -hmm. the hypothetical scenario is that four people are in a car. They're cruising down the road. A little kid follows a ball into the road. What does the car do? Does it slam on the brakes and swerve, flying off the cliff, killing the family, saving the little boy? How does the algorithm process this in a moral f- fashion?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: upon what moral set of presuppositions?
0: Yeah. yeah, so I mean, the thing is, this article is already presupposing a morality. Yes. It's not explaining a morality. It's not. So it's just, you're reading it, and so whoever wrote this is presuming that you have a definition of morality, and you would be able to go look at the situation and and yourself the and decide... Issue. A yes. machine cannot presuppose human
1: dignity yeah. unless it has human dignity programmed into it. Yeah. But then you have a further problem. How does a car know what human dignity is? See, the only people that can reflect human dignity and know human dignity are, are human beings who are created in the image of God. Dogs don't have a concept of human dignity because they're immoral creatures. They're amoral creatures, right? Yeah. They're impacted by the curse so of course they're under the curse of Adam, dying as a result of sin. But they don't make moral decisions. Dogs don't make moral decisions. Mm-hmm. Cats don't make moral decisions. As much as we might like them, they're not making these things. So now we have um, we've exported a concept of morality mm-hmm. to a piece of equipment, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: a machine.
0: Sorry. Go ahead yeah, and continue. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so continue on. And this is the study highlights paradoxes facing car makers, car buyers, and regulators as driverless technology accelerates. And it goes on to say, um, in quotes here, uh, the algorithms that control autonomous vehicles will need to be to embed moral principles guiding their decisions in situations of unavoidable according, And this is according to the researchers at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, uh, the University of Oregon and France's Toulouse, I'm guessing that's how you say it, School of Economics, for the National Center for Scientific Research. So they're basically we're just we're just saying like now we're. I know ever since I was a kid, we've been talking about, um, you know, driverless cars and how they work and all that stuff. So now um, that it's more possible for it to happen with technology, now we're talking about the philosophical side um, that's come up. You know, um, these things are going to be on the road. Um, really, whenever I was a kid, I heard that if you did this. Um, If we drove these, if we had these vehicles, you know, they would all be timed and programmed right to where we could get through, you know, there wouldn't be traffic backups because everything would be timed. Like, so we're seeing this romanticized ideal of the way it should work, but now enters the recognition that perfection cannot be had.
1: And I'm going to do so, just something a yeah, little bit here i don't throw you off on this. So uh, just a really interesting article that has just, again, been written within a little bit sooner than this. This is a 2015 article. Is that right? Uh, I can't remember what hey, the date was on the it. front page.
0: 16.
1: Okay, 2016. So 2018, October of 2018, not too long ago, uh, in the grand spectrum of things, there have been even more research and more studies conducted on this, demonstrating that morality shifts between cultures in results of the same question. So mm-hmm. this question proposed in 2015 has actually been further researched, and here's what they found: people's morality and the view of human worth shifts based upon which country the self-driving car is in. Yeah. So what we see in this article is a serious dilemma for the Christian worldview. Here's the chance, obviously, when you get a discussion with someone to have an evangelical and evangelistic, actually, type of discussion, noting that, you know what, Human beings don't create morals; don't vote on morals. God has given us a true, objective morality, and one of the primary things that we recognize is that human beings has value and dignity. Something that cars and algorithms algorithms can't even begin to um, can't even begin to deal
0: with. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's there's more to the thing. This is this yeah. is going <laughs> to This is going to show just the fact that we cannot. Expect technology to do what we want it to do because uh, what they're calling the autonomous yes. car is not autonomous. Exactly, it's programmed. Yes. So, therefore, you know, so we got to look at terms. If what are, what are we calling autonomous? Autonomous in this car world would be like it is free from just the driver that is imminently there at the moment, but yes. it is not free. Of And it's not autonomous from human beings because we have to program these things. We have to go basically whatever the algorithm is that the sensors have to see something cross its path and all that kind of stuff. We have to put it in these positions to be able to program it to go this is what these mechanisms in this car need to do whenever this happens. So So this goes to show you we are finite human beings. We cannot come up with the infinite set of things that we need to program this. So we are going to have this dilemma. So the Christian would be like, well, we can't have this technology until this gets figured out because yes. now you have put the problem there. And so this is an immoral thing if this is what could happen. So, so the we need to morality, off. The foundational morality of
1: the programmers is going to be seen in artificial yeah. intelligence. Therefore, a faulty human program that runs on a faulty moral
0: system will always make faulty moral decisions because it's programmed to do so. Yeah, so you know who's at fault? It's not it's you can't blame the vehicle if somebody dies. Exactly. It's not autonomous. It's a derivative product. So therefore when the that human. kid is ran
1: over, guess who should be held
0: guilty of manslaughter? All of the programmers which will never find. Yeah. So this passes the buck from the driver that would now be the fault if he screwed up while driving. It passes the buck to some sort of, and if you want to get into that corporate body of people that are producing these things, which then would probably be pre- be protected by some corporation to oh, be able course. to somehow. Do- so, this is legalism 101. This is why legalism doesn't work. This is why we need grace. This is why we need forgiveness from the father that created all of this. Yes. So, you know, so it's just one of those. And just the, just really say, be, this again, the reason
1: we're dealing with this topic is because it's going to impact society yeah. right away mm-hmm. so quickly before we'll even get a moral footing on this so we have to be outspoken now as Christians we have to be informed as Christians on how to deal with this type of again moral question that is going to be plaguing us in the next few years and it's already it's already immersed itself in us right now
0: oh yeah uh, yes because we're trusting you know our brains Um, to be able to answer all these questions, but we're the one with the question trying to answer it. We are circular. And again, that's why, which circle are you going to believe are going to believe the circle of God's authority or the circle of your authority, begging the question either way, but which one is justified? God, not us. And this is the problems that come from what we call autonomous reasoning of man. So we're calling this car autonomous. We're not even autonomous. And so yeah. we need to hit them up on that word. What does that word mean to you? And then show the absurdity that it, autonomy does not exist yeah. at any level in this created universe. Yeah, right on. So uh, the continues on. The researchers concluded that if lawmakers were to prioritize pedestrians over passengers when regulating self-driving vehicles, people would be less likely to buy those vehicles. A shrinking market for driverless cars would slow their development despite research showing that autonomous vehicles could potentially reduce traffic, cut pollution, and save thousands of lives each year. Human error contributes to 90% of all traffic accidents. We just love that. (laughs) Whenever I was going through this, like, human error only contributes 90%. Okay, what is the other 10%? Oh, a human error in putting the car together, a human error in neglecting the car. Um, You know, the car, we're, we're trying to pass the buck, like, we are the problem. And yeah. at some level, either through neglect or through uh, direct action, we are responsible. So I saw, so th- this is research. This is smart people. This is weird that you would talk about how an all 90% of all traffic. But here's the specific. thing that's but, crazy. Yeah. In a purely, again, a purely
1: secularist humanist cannot ask the question about what is moral. Therefore, this shouldn't be a question even in a society that completely rejects God. That's what's absurd about this. If you flesh out the humanist worldview, that kid isn't worth anything. He's just a... He's just a pile of, uh, of goo that has somehow, uh, over time, organized itself into a human being. And mm. therefore, you can't even ask a question, what's moral? Because morals don't exist, or we can rewrite them whenever we want. So only a Christian can actually ask if artificial intelligence is even moral.
0: Yeah, so instead of just buying the car going like, am I going to trust the car to do um, what it needs to do? You need to actually ask and go further a step back and go... Am I going to trust the morals of the programmer of this supposed autonomous vehicle? So, you know, this brings just more problems. Human error is always in this. And we're going to, we're trying to transcend our humanness by using our humanness to program something not human. Okay, I just said something absurd, right? Yeah. Again, we're stuck in this. This is the problem of inference. This is the the problem. This is the dilemma of the world view that does not proclaim God. And so you're reading this stuff, and this is you know research that people are reading. This is uh, what people are doing um, in our in our uh, universities and what they're going through. Um, and it's foolish. It's it's just why have this discussion? Why go well until we can? without a shadow, 100% of a doubt. And the thing is, is then they're begging the question of empiricism to be able to know if they're even right in the first place before even putting the first car out on the road, that there will be no problems in this because harm, you know, it's not harm. It's taking the life of somebody and putting and, and taking the responsibility off of your hands and putting it into the hands of another that is imperfect. And, and so and we're just passing the buck is all it is. And pass and and, and I, don't know, I just this is all seeming absurd to me. Um, Sorry, but, oh, go but it's a, but it's yeah. an important yeah. issue, man, yes. and I'm glad we're dealing with it yeah. because uh, this is going to lead to our next article. Yes, anyway, right into but, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the the funny thing is is uh, if you're on Facebook, you're going to end up being in the same boat as these guys in thought experiments because it says the researchers base their survey queries largely on an ethics thought experiment known as the trolley problem, and I've seen. Tons of people posting memes. So basically it's going, hey, let's do some meme, um, not meme theology in this case, but let's <laughs> let's do some meme science. Yeah, <laughs> let's do some meme philosophy um, and do all this. So they use the trolley problem and according to um, Azim Serif, an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Oregon and director of the Culture and Morality Lab at the University of California, Irvine. There are several variations on the trolley problem, but mostly uh, pose hypothetical scenarios in which a trolley is on course to run over a group of people. A person watching the events um, unfold must choose between an intervention that sacrifices one person for the good of the group or protects an individual at the expense of the group. Serif conducted the research along with uh, Jean Francois Bonifon at uh, Toulouse School of Economics, um, psychological scientist, and Ayad Rohan, an associate professor in the MIT Media Lab. So um, basically, what this is saying let's take that same scenario. You got a car, you got the bouncing ball going across the road, you got the kid. You got the president in the car. You've got, and so we're in Washington, D.C. We're, you know, we're in the bad part of town, right? Um, you, you've got the president in a self driving car, and you've got this, uh, you know, just normal kid. Um, nobody knows who he really is other than his family and stuff. And so this car is going to then determine wait, so based on uh, the trolley problem, do you say that Mr. President, who has lived, Sixty some odd years who has lived a full life, um, does he um, die a horrible? Because like you got cars everywhere, you know, parked. So this this could potentially be a bad wreck that kills the president, or just a kid that nobody knows. Wait, wait, wait a second. Then the car has to go. But wait a second. He could be the future president. So you know how? Just think of how much. That this AI has to emulate of the human experience and, and see where it plays. And we think out, that we can
1: program it. That way. And here's where it plays out to us in a very yeah. real world way. And this is going to, I think, bring us into this next topic. But then you think about things like artificial intelligence figuring out who should receive cancer treatment,
0: mm-hmm. what
1: country deserves our financial support. All these different spectrums of decisions are now being exported to a artificial mind that is functionally only looking at which way the algorithm works best. And it's programmed by someone based upon a set of moral presuppositions that exclude Christian the Christian worldview. And that's where this becomes yeah. massively, massively uh, important. Sound. Yeah. And
0: so, I mean, when it comes to this, I mean, really, that's pretty much um, all we need to discuss on that. But it's just, when you think about it, we live in a world, okay, this is, this is, this is God's reality. People are suppressing the truth and they're inventing things to suppress the truth. It says that we are inventors of evil. And so we're trying to pass the buck now onto a car. Yep. Maybe we can blame the car because it's autonomous and it's reasoning. And so it wasn't the person inside. It wasn't the programmers. It wasn't the kids fault. Um, Somebody died and it was. So basically you can just go like our hands are clean. We're trying to keep ourselves away, away from, from blame. Responsibility. This is the Genesis three world right here, right and so yes, um, so well said. Huh? Yeah, oh. and so yeah, so this is again like we are you going to trust a God who has spoken, has revealed Himself throughout history, has revealed Himself in history, has maintained His Word, has maintained His promises? He is the standard. He has spoken the standard, or are you going to trust some made-up standard? Like, you're going to have to live according to a that you standard. you can objectively you
1: cannot, shift yeah. whenever you want Yeah. and base human dignity upon an algorithm based upon what human beings think is important. Yeah. So you're going to
0: basically, again, what our contention is whenever we debate God or absurdity. Are you going to embrace absurdity to, to get rid of the God you already know exists and you're trying to run away from? Or are you going to come into that God in repentance and faith and trust him? Because you're going to be trusting a standard. You are going to have to end up presupposing something and relying on it and having a faith commitment. That's right. At some level, everybody is religious. And this is going to show, again, a religion that uh, worships math and, and all that stuff. Math is great. But then we take, as creatures, we we get rid of the creator and we worship the creation and we're loving these algorithms. And we're going to take these algorithms. We're going to take this order in the universe that God has put in here and we're going to elevate it and make it God. And we're just going to just think about it. We as Christians get made fun of for believing a book that talks about the Urim and Thummim, how God would, how God gave them that to then use to determine things in the old Testament. They think we're crazy But aren't they doing the same thing with AI? Basically, it determines it for you, and that's it—just a cold yes or no answer. It's a magic eight-ball. And the reality is,
1: you cannot escape the influence of. But see, there's an an actual personal
0: intelligence behind the Urim and And then there's artificial. Wait, but it's not—it's not really artificial. It's just programmed human intelligence into a machine. So basically, again, it's just passing the buck. Yeah.
1: And, and I've so, got an article here,
0: you know, yeah. uh, it's called
1: AI versus God, and essentially the uh, author of that, it's a Forbes article from 2018, uh, August of 2018, and essentially the author of that uh argues that well, we're going to be able to create an artificial intelligence that is better than and smarter than humans and there'll be no new no reason to have humans, which brings us right on to this next topic. So
0: this is gonna be the core uh factor. You know, I just wanted to throw that one out first because that's something a little bit more practical, something more our minds can take in and think about. But uh there's an underlying issue and again, we recognize as image bearers of God that there is something that transcends us, that this is not all there is, and it says explicitly in the text that God has manifested himself in a clear way that everybody's without excuse. And so here is that, here's how that manifests itself whenever we try to suppress the truth and unrighteousness while wanting to recognize the transcendence factor. So Dave So I'm gonna bring it on into this. And
1: this is something that we've we never probably imagined when we started this podcast that we would ever talk about, transhumanism. Um, most people have never heard the word, most people have never even, like, transhumanism, maybe you've heard it, you think it has something to do with uh, transgenderism, and, and there are some connections here, and I just want to give you a, a really broad, just Google definition of it. Uh, transhumanism is the belief or theory that the human race can evolve beyond its current physical and mental limitations, especially by means of science and technology. And this article is from Forbes, uh, November 2017, by Sarwant Singh. Um, I hope I said his name right. <laughs> I didn't practice it a whole bunch, and I didn't call him and ask him if I could uh, pronounce his name correctly. But I think Saul Sign. Uh, the article is titled, Chan- Transhumanism and the Future of Humanity, Seven Ways the World Will Change by 2030. So we're talking 11 years from now. These are these predictions. And again, the article begins like this. Companies today are strategizing about future investments and technologies such as artificial intelligence, the internet of things, or growth around new business models. While many of these trends will make for solid investment for the next 5 to 10 years, fewer companies are considering the revolutionary convergence of desperate trends pulled from technology, behavioral and social change, and medical advances to under- Stand how they will converge to transform society. This transformation will be messy, complex, and sometimes scary, but signals already point to a future of humanity that will blur our identities into transhumanism. Essentially, just to put a real clear summary on that, there is already... People who are investing in this idea that you can merge humanity and machine into a
0: new species, a better species. Just species. Yes. So are we going to redefine what the word species means? Are they going to try to use it in the form that we have it now? Again, language is flexible. Everything is in flux. This is an absurd world, but hey. I mean, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to jump too yeah. much from the article, but like, here is where you would see some of these
1: things played out. Um, there's this idea, uh, called the BMI, a brain machine interface. And it's essentially, and it's already being developed, a chip to put in your brain to make it interact with a computer as a computer, right? So that you can remember things more clearly, so that you can make decisions more effectively, so that you can grab in a broader range of things that are taking place, right? And that chip would be connected to the internet, and therefore I could have a conversation with Adam if our two chips connect that would be better than speaking, better than writing, and there's only one thing that separates us from that. The inability for everyone to adopt that. And as mm-hmm. soon as someone has that, it's going to rifle right out. But let me give you again these seven different things that I believe are going, that these authors believe are going to change. Here's what he writes. To understand this topic, our visionary innovation group looked at three fundamental pillars of humanity. So This is an interesting thing. You get to hear the author's worldview, essentially. Three fundamental pillars of humanity, he says, and how they'll evolve Oh wait, the fundamental pillars of humanity are going to evolve in the next 10 to 15 years. That's why this is incredibly important. Here are the fundamental pillars, not according to a Christian worldview, but I know this guy is a humanist by the way he writes, a naturalist by the way he writes. And here's what he says. Our bodies, fundamental pillar of humanity. Our thoughts, fundamental pillar of humanity. Our behavior. Very interesting. So the fundamental pillars of humanity are our thoughts, our behaviors, and our bodies, so our physical bodies, our mind, and the way we interact. Ultimately, our goal was to determine the ways in which the changing nature of humanity and transhumanism would affect individual society, business, and the government. A few trends that emerged from this study also include the following seven trends. We hope they will spark discussion and innovation ready in your organization. So already the people who are studying this have already adopted a mindset by which this is the way we have to go. Human
0: beings have to merge with machines. Yeah, and then here, here's to where they to yep. stop, though. You don't think that you're religious. You believe in a world that was made, random chance, governed by random chance. There is no goal. It is. It's doing, that's all it is. There is no goal to the humanity. You can say, well, well I watch and I see and observe that you're supposed to, rep- no, you're not supposed to replicate, you just do. You cannot interpret reality in that way if at the, pre- the, the base level everything is just what it is by random chance, everything's in flux, whatever. So basically, this is a religious movement. Humanism has failed. Yes. Humanism has absolutely failed. You have recognized your depravity that you cannot do anything of any sort of worth. There is no goal. And so now, because we're hyper-individualistic in your humanism, now you're swinging the pendulum the other way to you're going to try to find the universal. Yes. And then you're going to lose... The individual, you cannot combine them So essentially, together.
1: here's the deal. I mean, I just, yeah. I just, man, I want to summarize that because this is so, was really well said. The idea is, according to the naturalistic humanistic worldview, humanity has failed. Mm-hmm. We are insufficient. We are unable to, through, ready, biology to evolve to the next level. So what do we need to
0: do? Ah, we need to use machines to do uh, that. How many thousands of years has this document been around well i mean like multiple, as in sort of books the, the 66 the yeah. how, how about the message Two thousand years right are you ready are you ready to bow down to jesus christ the lord who has no. said the very thing that you've see, already this found is the absurdity me.
1: of those it's, who would propagate the the transhumanism yeah. position transhumanistic position it is that they fundamentally found that humanity is flawed no duh yeah yes you see that so their solution is not a savior who will transcend who has transcended to our world. It is to create. and here's what is really scary about it. Those who propagate this will show you that we need to as human beings, ultimately, all of our human minds need to transcend into one almost Borg-like position, and mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating that. Uh, Adam and I are probably not done with this topic, and we're going to. We've already got a, a great, uh, a great discussion that we've heard on another podcast that we want to break down because they essentially advocate that the ultimate goal for humanity uh, should be for everyone to be hardwired transhumans that just again evolve into one transcendent being that's everywhere on the earth that knows everything about everyone yeah
0: so these people you cannot be like well you know you christians you you're interpreting the bible you've created your own god believing what what are you doing stop being a hypocrite we have a standard you're making up yours and you can dodge and you can go running around in circles as much as you want I i can't and I've got to take care of that. So, Dave, a minute, take no on the problem. show. This is
1: the great thing about being here and being able to record these things. So, here's the first of the seven pillars. I'm, I'm going to try to run through them in a somewhat um, quick way, but I want to make sure that they're understood. So, one of the first things that they want you to understand is that with transhumanism coming forward, our bodies will be augmented. Now, this is where it's going to sound really interesting at first. Let me read. The coming in the me the coming years will usher in a number of body augmentation capabilities that will enable humans to be smarter, stronger, and more capable than we are today. Wearables will be one form of body augmentation, but they will far surpass the fitness trackers of today. Here's the thing: we can already see this man. I have one of those great uh, devices that gives my heart rate, the steps that I've taken. Uh, it will print a little thing for my doctor if I want. We seem to think that these wearables are great, and they are. They're a form of artificial intelligence. But here's the thing. They're going to integrate that actually into the physical body of humanity. And here's what they're going to say. They're going to begin to, and we've already seen this, they're going to use things, we can even find it in the Olympics, where they're going to say, well, here are these high-intelligent um, high intelligent prosthetics that will allow people to be just as good as they were. And so there's this good idea with it, but the problem is it's going to begin to stretch and to integrate and find its way into um, deconstructing humanity, essentially. And here's where we continue. We will also see an increased use of implants ranging from brain microchips and neural lace to mind-controlled prosthesis and subdermal R E. RFID. An RFID is a... Um, radio frequency identification device, which we already have heard about in Wisconsin last year. A company that made all of their employees get a little chip that's about the size of a piece of rice right here in their hand so they don't have to use passwords and they can swipe it everywhere. Everyone gets ticked off about passwords.
0: Yeah.
1: It ain't very long until this already becomes one of those things, one of the augmentations that they're talking about. Um, of course, it says these... RFID chips allow users to unlock doors or computer passwords with the wave of the hand. However, the most powerful body augmentation will come from biological augmentation as a result of increased insight into our genomes, advanced IFV technology that will allow us to select the most intelligent embryos, and powerful CRISPR gene editing technology, which will one day give us the ability to eliminate Hereditable diseases. Body augmentation capabilities will give rise to humans who are more resilient, optimized, and continually monitored. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's how you sell this to any company. We can give all of your employees this body augmentation that will make them think more clearly, more effectively, and allow them to work more productively. All of them need it. It will increase your productivity. Based on your,
0: your standard. Yes. Again, so... We'll still have the problem of inference. We'll still have the problem of standards. Um, You think this is going to take problems away? Uh, It's only going to cause more problems, for one, until they find a way to shut your brain down. It's a
1: fundamental change in who humanity
0: is. And that's what this movement wants to do. And you think this is a good thing. And these people think this is a good thing, and it's like the most scariest thing. And it's not the fact that, I mean, we as Christians believe that, I mean, as far as... God goes, there is no privacy. There is no security in that. There is security with the fact that he has pro- promised grace yes. to his people. Yes. So he can know everything about you and you can be fine with it. If you are in Christ, it's fine because he's having grace and mercy upon you. And he's actually giving you the new heart to where you can be conformed to the image of his son. And all those nasty things that he knows about you can change. And he's offered a time of repentance. But the thing is is if you let men have this sort of information on you, you will not be safe. To me, it really is scary. Yeah. The
1: end goal is scary. The end goal is to, again, make humans, because
0: evolution isn't enough, we've got to, we've got to manipulate it ourselves. Yeah. and then the other thing is, well, you know, we can uh, program all this stuff to where you know, it'll get rid of corruption based on what standard. Exactly. This all demands a standard. And who can be trusted oh, man, and all that I, stuff. Yeah. And, again, right now, on this side of it, we are hyper-individualized. Yes. They're going to swing the pendulum to where you are hyper-universal. You that's, lost everything. That's, and so what, oh, what are, what are you going to do then? That's exactly what these proponents are. In this
1: other podcast yeah. that we're going to listen to... More, I mean, we'd have to do a a, a really long podcast today to get come yeah. in. I think we need to pick up. Yeah, the, so up, because yeah, listen, so we can pick good. up on yeah. that.
0: Um, real Sorry. quick because we got another ten ish. You want me to con-
1: uh, let me continue with with the yeah, article? Yeah, is that okay? yeah. yeah, and we'll we'll just hit that yeah. the next time. Yeah, like we can probably even do a. Um, this is the great week, thing about doing do it the last podcast week remote. we can do it next week remote if we want whatever, yeah. whatever works best and yeah. we'll discuss it so here's the other thing and I'm, I'm just going to run through this a little bit faster our thought process will be faster and more transferable both wearable and implant brain interface device excuse me brain machine interfaces BMIs you'll hear that said over and over again in the next few years BMIs BMI, brain machine interface we're going to get your brain to work with the machine it'll work better our developed are in development from organizations that include Elon Musk, Neuralink, Facebook, DA, RPA. I don't know that company. These devices will dramatically alter the ways in which we communicate with each other as well as digital devices. Today, when I speak with others, I am limited by the speech with which I can speak and the words at the tip of my tongue. When I interface with a computer, I'm limited by the speed which I can type. BMIs will change all of this interconnected web of minds. That's the goal of these people. And -hmm. they're going to say, it's for the betterment of humanity. By what standard? That's what we have to ask. And I believe this will be a massive clash with the Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. We are going to see a massive, we are
0: going to have to be outspoken about these things. We need to preach it to ourselves now. Yes. What makes us better? By what standard? This is the social justice movement that's going on. This is why it's hot in the SBC right now because we have to hit these things now so we're not just reactionary and running away exactly. but that we can attack it so that we can, so we don't have to be um, right like we are with the abortion issue right now, yes, exactly. begging for things because it used to be illegal. So we, we failed with yeah. with regard to
1: um, same-sex marriage and transgenderism. We failed. We failed as Christians to be outspoken and to get ahead of it with the gospel right. See, here's where this all comes down to it. Human beings have dignity and value not because they can process things more quickly or because they can look a certain way or because they can complete a task. No,
0: because we are God's special creation. Yeah, and just think about what this technology is telling you. Companies believe You're you're not a good worker. They believe that you can't do anything worth anything because, remember, Pragmatism is the state of the age, and you are only worth what you do. What you do is it. Is that who you are? Is that what you're willing it's to accept? It's an
1: egalitarian worldview.
0: Are you basically a slave? You don't like slavery. You think Christians have propagated slavery with our, with our Bible. We, have, we can show you how that is not true. While you are embracing a worldview that's now going to give you technology to make you a slave because you are only worth what you do. You are only worth what you make and you're not seeing it. You're blind. And you need to repent. You need to come to Christ to find out your real value. You are not based you are not your value is not based on what you produce, what you do. There's grace when you fail. Because guess what? We have to be content with ourselves and our failures. And then we are told that it is God that uses those weaknesses because he is strong and he uses those weakness, weaknesses and strength. And so this is a total upside down of the way things that were initially created and we screwed up. And we're on the
1: verge technologically mm-hmm. of seeing this propagated in a way that will, everyone will say, see, it's so beneficial, it's so beneficial, it ends up being mind control. Yeah, dynamite was beneficial
0: is, yeah. and now we don't like it, right? Because it kills yeah. people. Yeah. Here's the thing. And
1: I want to read this because this is actually a startling statement. to see the mindset of the people, the humanists who are running this movement behind the scenes already. Mark Zuckerberg has described the following scenario. I'm saying this on Facebook of all things. <laughs> Today, when we share our vacation experiences, we upload photos and videos. With BMIs, I can share my full Sensory and emotional vacation experience with my friends and family,
0: and this is how, and with a this, million
1: other people yeah. that you don't even know. Yeah, and, this, and the thing it. is,
0: is that sounds wonderful, right? I mean, it's so fluffy, and it's like it's not like you know, he Zuckerberg is going to give you he's coming from that Facebook social media mentality, and it's like, yeah, you'd be able to share those. Okay, that sounds wonderful, but is it? wonderful at the expense of everything else that can happen. And again, who are you going to trust? Where's your standards lie? And can you, again, well, I hear people um, that do not believe at all. They're, they say that absolute authority makes you corrupt. Absolutely. But then they're, they don't care. They, they will hand it over to somebody that has absolute authority, right? And, That's
1: what you're kneeling down. And to. so,
0: are we? Are we going to be willing to let this become a problem? And so, you know, again, let's let's uh, listen to these things. Let's be on guard. Let's uh, confront this stuff at the very beginning. Let's not be reactionary anymore and be able to speak the gospel into this. Going like I just said, when people are like, "Oh, this is making me such a better person," it's like, no, it's not. Dude, this is <laughs> this is scary stuff. Yeah. And if Christians aren't outspoken about it right out of the gate, if
1: apologists aren't speaking about it, if people in the pews aren't speaking about it, when it comes in and it begins to infiltrate our children's minds, we're going to have a serious problem on our hands because human dignity and value has been completely Mm -hmm. usurped, not to be human anymore, but to try to take over your mind, to try to upload your mind. Again, that's the goal of some of these people that will listen to that podcast. Um, Again, we just listened to a podcast today. Uh, Man, I'm not joking. This is scary. Hearing these people talk about how excited they are to upload their brain to, to the network. Mm-hmm. And you would think, this is science fiction. Man, it's not too far away. Yeah. Uh, okay, so our thought processes will be faster and more transferable. Our bodies will be augmented the gamification of behavioral science will increase human productivity. I'll, I'll just give a real quick summary of that. Essentially, gamification, you'll actually already see this. Like, you see it over and over again in all different avenues. Um, you make something manipulate. What, what these people are designing, uh, many of these transhuman and these even artificial intelligence folks are manipulating human actions and doing so with techniques that would uh, basically spur a dopamine release that would occur when you're playing a video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this gamification technique is already being used for com- by companies like Uber. Uh, it's really, really crazy. Uh, just to read this, gamification techniques used by companies include a gra- graphical interface that brings video game-like quality to the drive as well as prompting goals that are always just out of reach to encourage continual pursuit. Here we go. This one is just crazy. We'll be more empathic. The adoption of virtual reality can play an influential role in our ability to understand perspectives of others, excuse me, perspective of other than, perspectives other than our own at the current moment. For example, virtual reality could be used to understand the plight of refugees, giving us the opportunity to step into their shoes, which may make us more likely to take action or to donate. Again, we're talking about a manipulation of empathy Mm -hmm. that is driven by an artificial intelligence manipulation of our emotions. We're not talking about the genuine emotions that I would feel that God has given me. Instead, I've been... Programmed to have an mm. empathic feeling, and that's not reality.
0: Yeah, and it's all to invent a master race. And I think there is a man that we all always talk about in this situation. Um, AI is going is is slavery. AI is um, it's going to be genocidal. Um, AI is going to lead to these things because what is it saying? It's saying that it will choose the right embryos. Does that sound anything like? Uh, the right race is blonde, blue-eyed, and white. And all of these people are saying <laughs> you know. that it is great. Yeah, and so here it comes again. We're going to have history repeating itself, and it's going to be guised in the light of technology. And uh, beware. You know, the thing is, people are blind. Someone would say this, they're is not like, seeing this is
1: so science fiction day. Yeah, no we, we got to build a master
0: right? race, a new species, because humans have failed, so I guess... This is Forbes
1: magazine. Time. This is Forbes magazine. This yeah. isn't a science fiction thing. This is Forbes yeah. magazine, one of the
0: largest business... And it just goes to show you another another, another inconsistency and absurdity is these people love Mother Nature and natural selection, yet they, they still cannot live within their worldview. They cannot accept random chance. They cannot accept Mother Nature taking over with its own goals and selecting the good and the bad. They want to be able to make the decision. They want to be the god of evolution, and so you know they can't. They can't deal with their own worldview. They can't accept it. They won't live in it. And uh, so it just goes to show you: just the most absurdity of all is the fact that they're fighting against their their um, their force of a god. Yeah, which is me, the mother nature. Yeah, let me hammer out these last three, yeah.
1: and and I'll just be real brief. That's fine. Uh, the the um. Let's see, it's a one, two, three, four, the fifth. Uh, we will see the emergence of extreme personalization and customizations. Business practices will shift significantly. Of course they will. Hey, you'll be to a manipulate slave. manipulate
0: people. You'll be a slave.
1: And then this is the one that is always the most interesting to me of all of them. Conversations focused on societal values will gain a great deal of attention. I want to read this. As these widespread revolutionary technologies come at us from every angle and affect our bodies, thought processes, and behavior, society will engage in a growing philosophical debate about what our values are as individuals, as countries, and as a species. Mm-hmm. Of course. And when you're engaging people who have a different worldview and a different fundamental foundation by which to understand reality, And their thought is only a humanistic, materialistic concept. You see where that leads to. Mm -hmm. And it's destruction of human dignity.
0: Yep, because again, humanism has failed.
1: There it is, man. I mean, I... uh, Thank you for letting me do this one. I worked hard on it today, and I know you worked hard on it, too. Uh, I hope we can continue with that podcast. We'll uh, we'll both uh, have to listen to uh, it. Until we uh, see
0: uh, Coltish or Jeff Durbin or somebody else do just blow this out of the water, (laughs) we'll continue (laughs) to do it. But awesome. So yeah, we are pretty much at that hour mark, yeah. and so um, my wife would with... be so proud of us. Yes, yes, we we actually did it. But anyway, we're gonna go over about a minute anyway. But anyway, um, thank you guys uh, for coming in. We saw a bunch of you come in and uh, interact with us. We thank you. We uh, continue to just ask for your prayer, um, and that and that's the biggest support we can ask for. Thank you, Travis. Um... Yeah. I which will be on the show.
1: We're looking for you to be yeah, on soon. here. The, yeah. yeah,
0: Travis is uh, again. Just to let you know, I did. We didn't say it earlier. He's uh, one of the newest uh, M Band uh, members. So, Travis, uh, as Dave and I were discussing earlier, um, we'd like to have you on the show for a debate sometime. Since we've. Uh, Been doing that since I started, and we've had some of the new members come on and debate. So, uh, come up with an idea, and we'll uh, make a debate happen if you'd like to. I'm sure you would, because I know you. Anyway, so um, but yeah. Anyway, thank you for your support. Um, Thank you for being with us and uh, coming back after sort of a two week hiatus from the show. um, We'll try to say we'll continue this discussion next week. Um, with Dave at home and over the remote, if, if that's what's needed, anyway. We'll figure it um, out, man. Yeah, it'll be awesome. So, uh, thank you so much. This is the do you have anything yeah, last just words? Pray yeah. for us. Yeah.
1: If you haven't left a review of us on iTunes,
0: please yeah. get on that. iTunes. Get on please YouTube. Please
1: share this podcast yeah. with your friends. Um, please encourage others to check us out. Check out the website. We have stuff for sale. Some of it has actually been designed by Travis Hurenick. Yeah, Signs like this. And so, uh, yeah.
0: So, sorry, I just oh, had to get right. that last little bit in cool. there. Nice so, little Go for it, man. So, anyway, with the Tag Your It podcast, I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And solely